music, news, entertainment. It's all right here. This is The Kelly Alexander Show. Hey, it's Kelly, and this week we are beyond excited to welcome to the show Grammy Award-winning artist Kelly Clarkson talking about her latest album called Chemistry, as well as her love for Pink and Janet Jackson. We also dive into our vintage vault and have amazing conversations with Grammy Award-winning artist Alessia Cara and platinum-selling Canadian recording artist Kaiza, who has had to work herself back from a terrible car accident that completely changed her life. Kaiza's story is very inspiring and really makes you take stock of what is important in life. Listen anytime, anyplace, just a click away. KellyAlexanderShow.com Beyond thrilled to welcome Grammy Award winning recording artist Kelly Clarkson to the show. She has a new album on the way, not to mention a move to New York and of course, a Las Vegas residency. Kelly Clarkson, dream come true to speak to you. Thank you so much for spending time with us. Oh, that's so kind. I'm stoked. Let's talk. First of all, 10th studio album, where does it rank on list of importance for you? Look, I, I could be the tool artist to be like, this is the album that's better than all the other ones. This this album is different from all of them. They're all different. They're all different chapters of my life. So, um, you know, I've been doing it for like over 20 years. There's 10 records now. Like, I mean, even including like my Christmas ones, which I'm going to be honest with you, I love those probably more than all of them just because I love Christmas music. But I love, I think this album ranks... Um, I've always been very personal with my songs and very like raw, like as in writing and being honest. But like, I think this is, I've never had a concept album like this. So I've never had just one album about one relationship really from beginning to end, like, like all of it. So I've never done anything like this. So I think that's what makes it different and special, but I, I like all my albums. So I, I don't know that like one really holds precedence over the others. Um, I just think this one is, you know, I think people, I think people have just been asking me questions for years now, like what happened, what's going on? And like, it's just all in the record. So that's different. Now you seem to come from a generation where I come from, where sequencing an album is super important to have like a story to tell. So tell me how hard or how easy it was for you to sequence this album, telling the story the way you wanted to tell it. It wasn't easy uh, because my initial thought, like even how I started the album, that's been the initial idea the whole time. Like when I wrote, can I skip this part? I was like, that's the first thing I say is, can I skip this part in the song? And I was like, that will be the beginning of this album because that is literally what I said in a crying ball of <laughs> all the emotions on a floor one day when I wrote it. So um, I just knew that's how I wanted to start it because that's how I felt. I was like, I just want to skip to the part where everybody says is coming one day. <laughs> like. It's just so hard and really having to go through all of it. So I think anyone that's been through anything like that can relate, like whether it's uh, death or the death of a relationship or any kind of grief, like, or any kind of high, like your favorite kind of high was just released. And that's the beautiful and like hot, sexy part of chemistry and like all of that. So that's in there too. But like, I don't know, it's just, it's, it took a minute to get the sequencing because I wanted to at first do it like from beginning of the relationship to the end. But I knew I couldn't start with favorite kind of high because I really wanted, can I skip this part? So we just kind of did it in like waves. So it's like a roll. I ended up going with this roller coaster mentality of like, I'm like, oh my God, this is so hard, but maybe we could still try. And then maybe it goes back down and then it goes, it's just this whole ride that I feel like everybody authentically goes through like in a, in a relationship. 
Now, I've seen you in other interviews where you talk about that the songs are, have been written like two or three years ago. And so I'm just yeah. wondering at this point, are you a bit, for lack of a better word, numb to the songs where like you've now listened to them a million times, you're going to probably start performing them, but like, mm -hmm. are you a bit numb to it or are you still feeling every time you sing a something? Well, I would love to be the person to tell you that I'm numb to it because I thought... <laughs> And my rehearsals for this show, we played the whole album on my birthday and did this birthday at the Belasco show here in Los Angeles. And the two previous rehearsal days, like we were just killing it. The rehearsals, I was like, okay, cool. I'm like removed from it enough. This is awesome. Cut to the first song, which is, can I skip this part? I started acapella. I legit almost didn't, I couldn't even start the song. I got, I was overwhelmed and it caught me so off guard that it took me a minute to get it back for this live show. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, you need to get it together. I was like, like, I, I couldn't, I just, I think it just hit me. It was the first time like in front of people. And like, I've been sitting with these feelings, these songs for so long. So I would love to say that I would, I will not be caught up in emotions, but I don't know, Kelly. So <laughs> it just catches me sometimes. And I'm incapable of being that person that isn't like in the moment. Like I'm not an actor in that sense. Like I, these, this is my life, you know? So like, it's like I'm playing a role. So it's, that's a, yeah, it's very hard sometimes to separate. That's why I'm known as the crier on stage. <laughs> But I just, it's, I'm incapable of not feeling so, um, and not visiting that place. Cause I want to authentically emote what that person was going through. I'm not that girl or that woman anymore, but I was, you know, so I, I, I can make no promises. So <laughs> here's a question for you. When are you and pink going to release a single? Oh my God, I love her so much. Like, I act so cool around. I think I do. I think I pull it off. But like, I'm like, so like, hey, what's up? Like, but I'm like very much an over fan of her. So I don't know. I think that we still are going to do more together. I just, we both seem to enjoy like singing together and like even each other's like personalities. Like we're both very real and like who we are like everywhere. So I think we relate on that as well. But I don't know. My, I think my dream team would be like she and, um, Brandy Carlisle and I just all doing something magical together. Cause I love, um, I love her as well. So those are just, yeah, from our generation, those are like two of my favorite ladies. So. I just came from a Janet Jackson concert. I know you love Janet. I know she's been on your show before. So two questions. What is your favorite Janet Jackson song to perform? And what is it about oh. Janet that you love so much? How do you pick? Like she has like the gigantic catalog. I love Janet Jackson because she was, you know, one of those. Well, first of all, I loved her as an actor before, like as a kid. And then like just knowing like her from like these things I saw her acting in and then like really getting in her music because I'm I think my brother was listening he's like a decade older than me so I got to it a little bit later but like it was just amazing to hear her voice and like it's so sweet and almost like very innocent sounding right but then she would come in with this like attitude and this feistiness and fire and it was like you can be both Right. Like, so I've always felt like I'm all these different people like, inside of me. Like, I, I'm like, well, I can be like sweet and I like sounding ethereal, but I also love like wailing on some rock and roll. So like, I, I love both. And I will say though, if is probably my favorite, I covered for an entire tour. I did that song every night. If that is one of my favorite, cause it's like a singing rap thing in the verse, but then it breaks out into this like, 
and the, and the chorus. And I, I love Feisty Janet. So Amazing. Well, we love Feisty Kelly. We love you so much. Thank you so much for spending time with us. And we hope you come to Montreal very soon. Oh, thank you for the invite. Don't invite me. I'll show up. <laughs> right. Take care. Thank you so much. All right. Bye, girl. Bye. The Kelly Alexander Show. Follow us on Instagram, Kelly Alexander Show. Super happy to welcome back to the program, Alessia Cara, Grammy-winning Alessia Cara, I should mention. How are you, Alessia? Hey, good. How are you? So great. So super excited to ask you about your latest project, which just dropped, I know, on Netflix not that long ago, The Willoughbys. How did that come about, taking on a voiceover role? It was something that I always wanted to do. I remember talking about it a lot, just kind of, you know, growing up and even like, throughout the early stages of my career, I just always wanted to, to do it. I just thought it was really interesting. And I said it out loud on Jimmy Fallon one time when I was doing an interview with him and Braun Studios, the creators of the Willoughby's, um, saw the interview. And so they emailed me asking um, if I wanted to play Jane. And I was like, oh, absolutely. So it happened kind of like that. And yeah. That's super cool. And what was the toughest part about doing voiceover stuff? Because I don't think people realize like there's pressure to get it right when you're in that booth. Oh, yeah, for sure. I, I, I guess like for me, the hardest part was doing my first sort of acting gig and like having to really let loose in front of like so many people, you know, like everybody was there, whether they were Skyping in or just right there in the room. And, you know, they're sort of watching you act for the first time. And it can be sort of scary because you want to do well and, you know. I don't know. I, I'm I like kind of a shy person in that way. So it was, it was hard. Now the cast is amazing. Like Maya Rudolph, Ricky Gervais, like the list goes on. Martin Short, I know. Did you get to meet any of the other cast members or were you all recording separately? Obviously, I'm, I'm sure. But I'm just wondering if you got to hang out at all. Um, no, no, we were all recording separately. And uh, I was hoping I had my fingers crossed that we would get to meet um, during the premiere. But obviously the world sort of changed. So we didn't get to meet. But hopefully, you know, at some point after all of this ends, it would be so good to meet them because I'm a huge fan of all of them. How have you been doing, by the way, with sort of being at home more? Are you feeling pretty creative or is this sort of just downtime for you? Um, I guess it's a bit of both. Uh, I'm trying not to force any creativity. I feel like a lot of creatives um, right now are feeling like the pressures of like having to come up with something spectacular, but I'm trying not to. I think I'm using this time to relax and you know, be with my family. But at the same time, I have sort of been without really trying, like oddly feeling a little creative. So I'm trying to, you know, use it in um, the healthiest way possible. You were supposed to host the uh, Juno Awards this year, which obviously so many of us were so excited to have you doing that. Can you tell us what was the most exciting part about you going to, or you getting that gig? And, and if you can also let us know what song you were going to perform. Yeah. So I guess the coolest thing about getting the gig was just getting the gig, like getting asked to do it. It was crazy. Um, I, I never expected anyone to see me as someone who's like capable of hosting a show like that. So it was such an honor. Um, and I was going to, I was going to perform a cool medley of October and rooting for you. We had this whole thing planned, but hopefully we'll get to do it again, like another time. Now, can you talk to us a little bit about being um, an international star? Cause you are, you have, you know, fans all over the planet, but you're also from Canada. Does it mean a bit more to see your success in Canada? Like, I'm just wondering if there's like a special place in your part when you win a Juno, when you get nominated, when you see your Canadian fans. Oh yeah. A hundred percent. I mean, there's nothing like making your home proud. There, it's the best feeling in the world, you know? So um, I'm always extra grateful when, you know, I, I see people from home, like being happy for me and I'm um, hearing my songs on the radio at home. Like it's always a, an extra special feeling. What does that feel like for you when you hear your songs on the radio at home? Like, and do you remember the first time you heard your track, like in the car or whatever? 
Oh yeah, totally. I mean, even now, like, especially that I've been like, since I've been home so much and I've been like in the same place, I've been in Toronto, like we always have the radio on and I hear my songs all the time. And it's so, it's so like crazy even now to this day, just to hear myself, like, I don't know, like on radio stations that I like listened to growing up and stuff. Um, but the first time, let me think the first time when I was at home, um, obviously it was here because here was the first song. Um, and I, I think I was with my, with my parents in the no, I was, we were walking, we were listening to the radio through the TV. You know how there's like some channels that like broadcast yeah. radio. Yeah. And it, they played here and I was like freaking out and my, my parents were in the room with me and I think I have a recording of it somewhere. <laughs> That's super awesome. Do you still love performing here? Because I know when I play your song at Virgin, like on Virgin Montreal and it comes on cause we still play it every once in a while. Obviously we're playing your current stuff more, but when it comes on, I crank it. Like I just, I'm so happy to hear it. So like, do you love still performing it? I do. You know what? I, I really do. Um, no matter how like old it gets or how many years pass, I think it's just one of those things where that song, like the first song I've ever released, like it'll just always have a, a special place in my heart. It's like my first introduction into the music world. And it, that song like changed my life. So I'll always, I'll always love performing it. I was able to catch you when you were on tour with Sean Mendez. Like it feels like a gajillion years ago, but I think it was like maybe six or eight months ago. Yeah. When you came, when you came to Montreal, <laughs> you just looked like you were having so much fun being on that stage, like, you know, being a part of Sean's tour. What was that like getting to, to go out with him and, and see, especially again, all your Canadian fans? It's awesome. Again, like going back to being able to perform in your own hometown, like the love just feels so much more intense. Um, so, I mean, I, I love doing that and like getting to perform in that arena setting was so much fun too, because there's so many fans in one room and it's such a like beautiful environment. So um, we had a great time. It was awesome. Did you learn anything like being on that tour? Like, like because it's such a huge production, like was there any, and I know you've been out with Coldplay, so obviously that's a huge production too, but yeah. were there things that you sort of picked up maybe this time around as you continue to like just climb as a performer? Yeah, a bunch of different things. I think, um, I mean, it's always great just to like figure out how to perform and entertain that many people at the same time. It's a very different thing from doing like small gigs or like theater shows. It's a, crazy environment and so getting to do that was like I don't want to say practice because it was not practice it was definitely the real thing but it's like it's great to just I don't know like kind of push myself to do that and like to hold that like that a crowd that big and entertain them and I think when you're opening for people especially like you really have to sort of prove yourself and so doing something like that just really taught me how to I think be a better entertainer and performer and how to hold a crowd that big. And um, also just like how many people it takes to put on a production like that. You know, it's, it takes an entire village to do that. And um, you know, you, you don't take anyone for granted. Like you just really see everybody and how much hard work they put into it. And you know, it's not just the artists, it's everybody behind the scenes too. So that was, that was also a lesson. I know that you recently celebrated the fifth anniversary of here and I saw you sort of mention it on social media and I'm just wondering, looking back over these last five years, are there specific memories that stick out to you that you're just like, I can't believe that happened, like maybe performing on the Ellen show for the first time or something like that? Yeah, so all of those things. I mean, the first TV performance I did was Fallon, which was crazy. I remember being so nervous that I forgot like 
how the song went. Like if you watch that performance back, I'm like singing different melodies. Like I'm singing the right words or whatever. I don't even know how I managed to sing the right words, but I'm singing like it, I'm singing them differently than the song sounds. Cause I was so nervous. I forgot like everything. Um, but yeah, doing Ellen too. Like I'm such a huge fan of Ellen. Everything I've done, like going to all the cities I've been to for the first time, traveling to Europe, Asia, like places I would have never gone in a million years. Like it's, it's so crazy to, have done that um, so early on in my life and in my career. And yeah, it's a trip when I think about it. It's crazy. <laughs> uh, before I let you go, I just wanted to ask you, I wanted to do this thing for our Virgin audience. All you need to know about Alessia. So what song can you listen to on repeat? Oh my God, so many songs. Let me think of something recently. This is tough. Let me look at my... Hold on. I know I'm taking this way too seriously. <laughs> I appreciate that, though. Because I play so many things. <laughs> like, so many things. I've been playing uh, Lennon Stella's album on repeat. She just yep. released an album, uh, three, two, one, which is amazing. Um, Haley Williams has uh, a song called Dead Horse that I love so much. All of Paramore's album, like, their last album. Yeah, everything. I listen to everything. Who would you have, like, top of your list to collaborate with right now, if you had your choice? Oh, um, Haley Williams, definitely. Okay. Anderson Pack. He's been on my list for a while. I've been trying to work with him. Well, I haven't been trying. I'm just too scared to ask, but maybe <laughs> this next album, I'll, I'll try. Um, but yeah, he's like, he's amazing. I love him. If calories didn't count, what food would you eat every day? Oh, um, potatoes in any form, which okay. I still do eat, like any type of carb, but potatoes in any form, fried, baked, mashed, all kinds. Okay. Right. Is there a song in the last 12 months or so that you wish you had written? Oh, yeah. Uh, this guy named Ethan Greska, who's an amazing artist, he has like this great album, but he has a song called Enough For Now. Okay. It's so good. And lyrically, it's like, oh, it's exactly how I'm feeling. It's like, I wish I could have articulated it that way. It's so good. And if you could uh, co-headline a tour with someone, who would it be and why? These are great questions. Man, I don't know. It'd be cool to do something with Anderson Pack, Alessia. Yeah. Ex Anderson Pack tour. That'd be cool. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Uh, and last question apart from your family and friends, who's the coolest person on your phone that you can like text or call? Hmm. Coolest person in my phone that I can text or call. I don't have like John Mayer. Yeah, John oh. Mayer. I, but I hate name dropping. I don't even know I have John Mayer's number. But that is pretty cool. Every time it pops up on my phone, I'm like, wow, it's cool. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's super cool. That's that okay. is fair. Well, on behalf of all of your Montreal fans, we love you to pieces. And I interviewed you about four years ago when things were just starting to heat up for you. And I'm so happy and proud to see your progression. And you just rock. And we're so happy to play your music on our station. Thank you. Thank you for playing it. I appreciate it. Thanks for talking to me. Of course. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you. You too. The Kelly Alexander Show. Like us on Facebook. Kelly Alexander Show. Joining us on the show is platinum-selling Canadian recording artist Kaiza. Kaiza's debut album, 2014, Sound of a Woman, sold over a million copies and won her two Juno Awards, Canada's version of the Grammys. Kaiza is back now with new music, and we're very excited to welcome her back to the Kelly Alexander Show. Kaiza, thanks so much for hanging out. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Now, I have to start off with a heavy-hitting question right off the bat, because from the last time I spoke to you, this had not happened. So I know that you went through a, a terrible car accident a few years ago, and I I feel like that is, um, from everything I've read, uh, that it's definitely shaped how you are now as an artist and even as a person. So I'm just wondering if you can explain to our audience kind of what happened and, and the road to recovery. Yeah, I mean, it was life-changing. I was in an Uber in Toronto, actually, 
and I was just in the back seat, and we went. We had the green light, and all of a sudden, a taxi ran a red light and T-boned us and just plowed us off the road. And I sustained what's called a traumatic brain injury, and it it literally completely derailed not only my career but my life as a whole. I was essentially <laughs> talking about being in isolation. Now I've been in isolation for almost well over two and a half years now and going on three years. So uh, people have been calling me the isolation expert, um, yeah. but I <laughs> was um, it, it, essentially just lying in a dark room, unable to do essentially anything. Wow. And my whole life, my, my, my job became healing. Um, I couldn't do anything else. Now, and, um, yeah, keep going. Yeah, go, ahead. So no, go ahead. All my momentum was stopped, halted. And coming back from that, I can't even imagine because I know I had a I had a neck injury in 2013 where I would look at somebody and they would be moving even though they weren't. It was like a, a type of vertigo, but not exactly. And it kind of took me like over eight months to really kind of get back and then longer than that to, to fully heal. And I remember it was difficult because you look fine, but you're not. And so did you experience yeah. stuff like that where people are like, well, she looks fine? Oh, yeah. Like my even my immediate family really struggled to believe how bad it was. Um, I essentially almost had to do the recovery all alone because it's really hard not only like for people who haven't experienced it themselves to relate and and people who can't see it to really understand that it really is there. And it was very, very hard because it just there's no way for me to even relay how much worse it was than I was even letting off. And I I'm really good at hiding pain and like my whole thing is I usually don't show my pain. I just like to keep my issues to myself. So, I mean, at first I didn't even tell anyone. I really thought I'd be back. Like I was researching concussions. I thought I had a concussion. So I thought I'd be back in like three months at the, the latest. I was not prepared for a two and a half year road. And I'm still on that road. It's not, I'm not a hundred percent yet. So it's an everyday thing. Something I, deal with to this day every day of my life when you look back at the success you had before the accident does it feel like a whole other lifetime or even another person yeah actually it does i i had to sort of sit there on my own in bed and this sort of dark space and really i i had a lot of time with myself and a lot of time to think through just the person i was and the people around me and it gave me a lot of perspective on coming back, like how I wanted my life to be and the type of people I wanted in it. So I actually got a lot of people out of my life. And then I really focused on the type of people I wanted in my life. And honestly, it's, it, the silver lining is that I really feel like I have some incredible people in my life now. And a lot of the people that I was not cutting out of my life, but I really should have, um, are now gone. So it, it did work out in many ways for the best. Uh, the, the thing I'm still dealing with now is just getting back to the stage as a performing dancing artist because physical activity has been really challenging to come up, to come back with because um, it still causes pressure in my head and causes inflammation. So it's just a, a matter of every day doing a little bit to move in the right direction. 
That's amazing. And I wanted to, <laughs> to ask you about that because I, you know, I've been to your concerts, I've been to your shows, and I actually have video of you on my iPhone, like doing a handstand across the stage <laughs> dancing, which I thought was amazing <laughs> at the time. So uh, when you do go back to the stage, like, like, because you are a dance artist, you're an amazing performer. So um, like you said, is it going to be step by step? And do you think it'll, it'll just take a while for you to get to where you want to be? And you're okay with that? I have to be. I don't have a choice in the matter. And I, I thought my dance career was over. Like, I really, I thought my career as a musician was over. I really, six months in, it was so bad because it got worse before it got better. Yeah. And it got worse for a while before it got better, um, for about a year before it started really going in the right direction. And so I was preparing myself for the worst and that I probably might never be back being a musician again. And I had to really think of what I, what I could do outside of music and that was like I was mourning the loss of basically the, my entire life that I'd worked towards because I the moment I found music that was it that was my whole life that was my purpose that's why I existed and so I had to rethink my whole existence and that was a, a hard process but it was one that and in the moment I had no choice but to be open to all other possibilities and, um, I mean, I surprised myself. I, I even did a, a ukulele tour last year, mm-hmm. uh, which I was not physically, or didn't feel like I was physically capable of doing when I booked it, but I just set it as a goal. What, that whole tour was me setting goals to come back, and I didn't even know if I could play ukulele live. <laughs> so <laughs> just to put in perspective where I've come in a year, and I've done a few dance videos now. Like, I can do, um, I can for music videos I can dance because then I can build in the time to crash and recover. And I honestly am like from this year, last year, even it's just leaps and bounds. Like I'm a whole new person this year. And I really have a lot of hope for coming back to the stage as a dancing performer, but I've also just grown as a human being in general and my music's growing. And I'm now just letting myself organically evolve. I'm not trying to box myself in any way. I did and, notice um, a lot. Yeah, go ahead. A lot to get out of my system, I think, lyrically, that I, I want to put out. I did notice um, when I was listening to the new tracks, which, by the way, on the station that I work for, Virgin Montreal, we are playing it a lot, all of uh, all those feelings. And, oh, amazing. Uh, oh, my God, like all the time. And it's so, I can't tell you how happy I am to have it back on because I, I do not shy away from saying that I'm a huge Kaiser fan. And I love when the new song came out and that we were supporting it. And I, I was listening back to, because I think I burned a hole in my uh, copy of Sound of a Woman because I love so many of the tracks on that, that album. <laughs> and especially because I remember at the time asking you, you, yeah, well, I just, I, I know you said back at the time when we, we talked like several years ago, how um, you'd been influenced by some 90s da- dance acts like CeCe Peniston and and, uh, and Martha Wash. Yeah. And so when I was listening to the new stuff, even though it has like a bit of an 80s vibe going on for sure, I still feel like there's this, there's this joy in you. So even though you've been through this terrible time time I still feel like the Kaiser I knew from five years ago is still there just advanced is that also true even though I know that you've said you're you're a different person in a way oh yeah oh definitely I mean this album exists simply because I have been in a dark place for two and a half nearly three years and I want to put out positive happy music I want to I wanted to pull myself out of this dark place so I really avoided (laughs) pretty much all the dark tones there's one song on the album which odes to maybe a darker place. But this album, like, from start to finish, is upbeat, positive, high energy, and it really is a cohesive sound. 
and um, I'm just for me it was like I wanted and especially now and timing has really worked out with everybody being locked up in isolation and really contemplating the realities and I think I think people are really struggling right now I'm, I'm happy that the music I'm putting out is really uplifting and positive and hopefully helps pull some people out of this darker place that they might be in right now too and hopefully the time, timing really aligns for everyone Oh, I, I completely agree with you. And I almost feel like you and Dua Lipa are like our disco balls right now. Like, it's so... <laughs> yeah, it's funny because my friend is producing her music um, in Toronto. And like, we're both super into the same sound right now. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. No, it's so great. And I wanted, yeah. I wanted to ask you too, with regards to um, the singles, All of the Feelings, again, that's the one that we're playing on, on Virgin Montreal. And I know the new one is Crave. And, uh, you know, and listening to both of them, obviously they have that 80s feel. Why is there an 80s feel? How deliberate was that of you to do that? I actually just was writing a lot of music. And for whatever reason that I can't explain, I was just gravitating towards that sound. And a lot of the songs I was writing just sounded 80s suddenly. <laughs> so... <laughs> I, I mean, I have a tons of music, and I was trying to figure out how to put it all together, but I had all of these songs that sounded really retro, and they're all really positive and really upbeat and really fun. So um, I was just like, wait, why don't we why don't we put all these together and make a really cohesive album of retro, kind of subtle ode to the 80s, but a little modern, too? And I, I had, like, 22 of them. So I don't, I had to cut down, like I cut down half, more than half of the songs that I had that were retro alone. Wow. So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of music waiting to come out. Joining us on the show, Juno award-winning artist Kaiza, and you can grab more info on all of her social media handles from Kaiza.com. You have fans all over the world, uh, but I want to know specifically about how you feel about Montreal because we are such a dance party city and we love supporting our Canadian artists, even though you are an international artist. How do you feel about us? Oh, I love Montreal. Honestly, on my tour when I went to Montreal, my, my North American tour, Montreal was the best show of the whole tour. Like, they were the loudest. They were the most excited. They even sold out the most tickets. I mean, like I had the biggest venue in Montreal. So I actually think some of my biggest fans are literally in Montreal. And I always am so excited to go there. And uh, I honestly am so grateful for the support coming from Montreal. I have to ask you this as well. I know you've written songs for uh, Rihanna and Jennifer Hudson and worked with Duran Duran and, and the list goes on, Skrillex and so forth. Is there somebody right now in mainstream pop or EDM that you would love to either write a song for or collaborate with? I mean, there's people, I guess I'm very open-minded about collaborating. A lot of my friends are big artists too. We've been discussing working together. I, I, I just did a really big collaboration that I'm excited about, which uh, I'll leave as a surprise. But let me think. I mean, I always thought it'd be really fun to work with uh, another performing artist that I could do something really fun on the performance end and the music side. So, I, I, I mean, Bruno Mars would have been a really cool collab because he's such a big performer. Um, and anyone who really falls under the performance category. But yeah, I'll, I'll put Bruno Mars. I think that would be a fun one in the sense that I just think we could do so much more than the music itself. Oh yeah, a thousand percent. Put on a full, we can put on a full performance. <laughs> that, that is for sure. And explain why you decided yeah. to um, have a record label and, and move in that direction. Because I know uh, it's, it's quite the situation these days to be signed to a major label and it feels like you've moved away. And, and a lot of artists, I feel, are moving that way to really call their own shots. Yeah, well, actually, I mean, Hideaway was built up independently. And then the label came in 
they really started engaging when it went number one in the UK. They started coming in earlier, but they never actually started doing anything until after, after that fact. And when they did start working, honestly, that's where things started going downhill. And it, it was this beautiful, organic, indie hustle that had started actually in 2013. I was hustling nightclubs, handing out USB sticks to DJs and getting them to play it all around town. And I was really putting in a lot of effort and then making the music video, um, getting a, sort of an indie promotion team behind it. Like, there was a lot of work done. And then the label came in and they kind of came in and the work had been done for them. So they just, I think, I think what labels want is they want to collect something that's already moving, but they don't want to put any work behind it. They want to just sort of fuel a fire that's already been lit. And they, they want it all right now in the moment. They don't have long-term vision. And that's, I think, really dangerous for an artist because they're, they're not concerned with the long-term. They're concerned with the, the short-term instinct. Instinct. They're just trying to grab for as much as they can. So that's where they really love a viral thing. They can just sort of get it all really quickly. And my thing was a viral song. Yeah. And it was a song that most music labels, especially in the U.S., and that's where I might have made a mistake, is that I did a house song, and house wasn't big in the U.S. The U.S. labels didn't know how to do that. So I signed to a label who didn't even know how to work the music I was making. Right. And so when it came, like, had they been handed Hideaway before it was ever big, they wouldn't have been able to do it. So that meant moving forward, they wouldn't be able to actually do the music that I had coming well either. And that's what ended up happening. And so they ended up losing their confidence literally by the second single, like after Hideaway. And they stopped supporting me and they stopped letting me release music. Um, they, were, they were collecting all the income, but they were making me self-fund. And so it actually became, it was, it became too expensive for me to be an artist on the label because I wasn't making, I was making the money off of the work I was putting in, but I was paying for it and it didn't make any sense, but they weren't promoting. They weren't actually getting behind it. They weren't doing anything. So they kind of put me in a black hole and I just told myself that I would never, ever let that happen again. I would never let people that didn't care get in the way of my art and get in the way of my connection to, to my fans and my ability to evolve most importantly as an artist. And that's one thing that most artists who are on major labels who want to evolve as musicians, they struggle with because the moment you want to evolve that moving into the unknown and the unknown is confusing and confusion is scary and anything scary is to be avoided. So it's usually a no from a major label. Yeah, it just seems like so many artists are moving away from that. I know Jocelyn Alice has moved away from that. And I wanted to ask you actually about your fellow Canadian artists, because there's so many that are so talented, like Jocelyn, like Rhea, um, obviously Alessia Cara, you know, the list goes on and on. And I know that some of them, for example, like Jocelyn, like Virginia DeVegas, like Derek uh, Baker, who moved back, they, they were in Los Angeles and they decided to move back home to Canada. And I know that you're in Toronto. I'm not sure if you're there full time or not anymore. But what's it like? Wh why is it important to be in Canada? Is that a good base to start from? Uh, yeah, it's great. Uh, I moved, yeah, moved back to Canada from the U.S., but I still go to L.A. a lot. I have amazing friends there, and a lot of them are Canadian. Um, so I definitely put a lot of time there, and a lot of time, like, for making videos and the creative side of things. But Canada just really supports their artists as a country. They, they have so many programs in place that support the arts, and it's very unique. I think it's probably one of the best in the world. So it's just really great to be part of a country that actually 
um, really values their artists and sees them as a priority and something that needs to be um, supported in a big way. And so I came back and I, I wanted to launch a label and I've already had so much support from Canada. Um, they've made a lot of things, they, they've made it possible for me to be, as an independent musician, releasing a, a song on the radio. I mean, even just the fact that I'm able to do a radio promo campaign is all because of Canada's support. So that means a lot because that, that means that it's putting the control in my hands as an artist to develop as I want to develop as an artist. I'm not having somebody get in the way and tell me what I can and can't do. And it's really hard when you create something that works and then all these people come in and tell you what to do next, but they, they're not artists. They've never done anything. It's just, it's almost an impossible situation. So it really just made it possible for me to be me. And that means a lot. And I'm, what I'm hoping to do with my label is to actually really help to pave the road for other artists coming up and support a lot of independent artists and really show people that you can do it independently. You don't have to sign to a major label. And I'm not saying that all major labels are bad and all situations are bad at major labels. It's just most people think that that's the only option, that that is making it. And to mo to, I'd say the majority of artists assigned to major labels that end up being a dead road, a dead end road. So if you're lucky, it works out, but you're most like, it's most likely not to. And so if you're one of those ones that actually, one of the few that does get signed or isn't in a position to get signed, it's, it's good to know that there's all these other options, but you don't actually have to do that. You might actually be better off not doing that. Because as an artist being in control of your own and owning your own property, owning your own songs and masters, you then have all of this to work with and you can you can make a lot more decisions for yourself. You can you can give a lot more actually to the people you're working with. You have way more control of what you can do. It just takes way more work and that's the thing that I think a lot of musicians they just want to get up and create their music and then that's it. <laughs> so if you're not willing to do the work, it definitely becomes harder as an independent because there's a lot and it's overwhelming at times. I have to ask you this. I, I was uh, scrolling through your Twitter feed and I found this amazing quote that you put up there. So I want you to just explain it further for the fans. It said, spandex will always be timeless. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's pretty self-explanatory. <laughs> just, just like go back in history. Spandex have like outlived every era. And they always come back. They always make a return. Anyone who puts on a pair of spandex, you're going to make somebody smile. Somebody is going to be happy because you're wearing spandex. And I sure love wearing spandex. I'll tell you that. I love <laughs> dancing in spandex. <laughs> like, I love all the possibilities of spandex, all the, all the prints you can put on them, all the different shapes they can be. I mean, some, like most of the greatest artists in the world, like Freddie Mercury and... Bowie and everybody, they've worn some form of spandex in their time. Spandex are the, the clothing of legends. Awesome. Oh, my God. That's awesome. That's a good bumper sticker. Uh, <laughs> Kaiser, thank you so much. It's always such a joy to have you, and I, I can't wait for you to come to Montreal, and hopefully we get to hang out in person again. Thank you. Yeah, I would love to see you again. That's Juno Award-winning recording artist Kaiza. You can grab all of her info and her social media handles from her website, kaiza.com. The Kelly Alexander Show. 
Thank you so much for spending time with us on the program this week. We always appreciate it. And a huge thank you to our guests, Kelly Clarkson, Alessia Cara, and Kaiza. And also a shout out to our producer, Andrew Sabino, for doing such a great job putting the program together. As always, you can find us on all the major podcast platforms, Apple, Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher Radio. We'd love for you to leave us a review. Please do so as well. And follow us on all of our social media. Hit us up, kellyalexandershow.com, for all the details. Have a great week. You and I will chat soon. The Kelly Alexander Show.